Morning everyone and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. As usual, everything we need to follow the service is both on our printed order of service and on the screen. And it's lovely to have Rachel back with us after the summer break and settled in her new home. Uh, ask her all about it, it's going to be a proper menagerie uh, as she gets her animals sorted out. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina. Uh, and our service this evening at 7pm will be led by Christine Johnston and her theme will be Jesus Encounters Three Women. Uh, remember that our AGM and church meeting will be held next Sunday immediately after the morning service. So um, as we've been doing for our past few church meetings, we'll just go and collect our tea and coffee and biscuits, come back into the suite here and we'll start our AGM and church meeting as soon as possible after that. If you're on email, you'll have received papers from me in the course of the week. Uh, there will be a few sets of hard copies here for folk who don't use email. But other than that, I'd be very grateful if you could check your email and prepare by reading those papers before next Sunday. Please do stay for that meeting if you can. Next Sunday at 11am, Katrina will lead worship here in the hotel. Then there'll be our AGM and church meeting immediately after. And then at 7pm, Alison Hay will lead evening worship in Wellington Church. These are all our notices. Thank you, Anne. Our call to worship this morning is very short, and it comes from the letter to the Colossian church. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Our opening hymn of worship this morning, Lord of our growing years, with us from infancy, a hymn that takes us through the whole of life and is for able we're invited to stand as we sing.
We're going to pray now, and I'm going to use a prayer that comes from Japan, um, which is offered to us by the Baptist World Alliance. And after we've said that, we'll join together in the prayer Jesus taught us using our own languages and preferred versions. So let's pray together. Eternal God, we say good morning to you. Hallowed be your name. Early in the morning, before we begin our work, we praise your glory. Renew our bodies as fresh as the morning flowers. Open our inner eyes as the sun casts new light upon the darkness which prevailed over the night. Deliver us from all captivity. Give us the wings of freedom like the birds in the sky to begin a new journey. Restore justice and freedom as a mighty stream running continuously as day follows day. We thank you for the gift of this morning and a new day to work with you. And as we do so, we join our voices in the words Jesus taught his followers, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation,
wonder if anybody recognises those photos up there. Does anybody know what they are? <coughs> Anne knows what they are. That's good. Anybody else know what they are? <laughs> Katrina knows. Grace knows. Yeah. Anybody going to tell me what they are? No daffodils, yeah, okay, but they're not just any daffodils. They're our daffodils. Thank you, Katrina. These are the daffodils. I'm going to move out of the way because I'm right in the middle. That's not very fair. These are the daffodils that grew outside our church building. And if you remember the story of these daffodils about three and a half years ago now, um, one night, we don't quite know how, somebody decided it would be a fun thing to do to smash all the pots that had plants at the church and scatter the contents. So we went and we cleared up the mess and we thought no more about it. And then the next spring, little shoots appeared and the daffodils blossomed. And we didn't do anything. We just kind of left them and thought, well, that was nice. And the next year, up they came again. And this year, up they came. Yes, again, this is a photo from this year. And as you know, we're very much hoping, and I hope God's listening, that we can get to the point of starting work on the redevelopment of our church. So in the summer, when the um, developers' contractors were doing some surveys which involved ploughing up all the ground, I kind of went, <gasps> daffodils! And I went and dug these up. And I'm going to show you something that's really, really precious. I'm not going to get them all out because I'll only drop them, but most of them. So these are our church daffodil bulbs. They don't look very impressive, do they? Some of them are really teeny tiny. Some of them are quite big. And going to keep these daffodil bulbs and I had a word before the service began with Barbara and Barbara is going to take the, the, the daffodil bulbs. Barbara has got green fingers, I have not got green fingers. So I'm going to give this precious bag of daffodil bulbs to Barbara. And Barbara's going to look after them and hopefully they will grow and hopefully there will be more daffodils and when we go back, we're being hopeful here, when we go back, we will take the daffodils with us. In the meantime, though, I thought it might be nice if everybody had a shiny new daffodil bulb that you can take away. And the nice thing about these is you can plant them in a house, in your garden if you've got a garden. You can plant them in a pot if you haven't got a garden. I'm going to just have to start letting you pass these around yourselves, I think. You want to just pass them back? Bonnie, would you like to perhaps help? Say, no, that's okay. So as we pass those round, as we take these daffodils as a sign of hope um, and a promise of new life, we're going to sing a song together. And as we're still passing things round, perhaps we'll um, at least stay seated to start with. Thanks, Paul.
mystery and the magic. The first reading today is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The next reading is John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit, Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. 
you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Here endeth the readings. The second stage of the St Magnus Way pilgrimage, which I walked a few weeks ago now, follows part of the journey that saw the bones of the saint very carefully transported from Bursay, where they landed, and carried towards their final resting place in Kirkwall. The terrain of that walk is mostly agricultural, and depending what time of year you go there, the fields could be bare brown earth, they could be lush green parts, pastures or plants. They could be golden with riping cereal crops. There could be pregnant ewes and heifers. There could be frisky newborn lambs and calves playing. All the fields could be empty because the livestock have been taken to shelter in barns. The seasonal variation that we see so clearly in nature is also suggested by the writer of Ecclesiastes who observes there is a time for everything. And it seemed right somehow to hold this idea of seasons as we look at the idea of growth this morning. Because growth is the theme that St Magnus Way invites us to ponder um, on this second stage of the journey. And they, as last week, ask us some probing questions. And I thought I'd just read some of them out to you because um, they're worth thinking about. And if something really strikes you that you want to spend the next 20 minutes pondering, feel free to do that. Otherwise, you can just carry on listening to me and look at some pictures. 
So three stories, uh, sorry, three questions. What circumstances in your life have helped you to grow? And was it because or despite what happened that you grew? What areas of life do you feel you still have potential to grow? And are there any areas where you feel stunted or thwarted in that growth? And thirdly, are you aware of growth that is beyond what is healthy, such as overreaching or overachieving? I say they're deep and challenging questions. And it was actually the day I was supposed to be pondering these questions, I thought there's got to be a sermon series in this because that third question really, really challenged me. As you know, I'm a bit of a workaholic. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, although I don't often make a lot of mistakes when I do too much. And it really made me stop and think, what does healthy growth look like? And how might that happen? Am I at risk of overreaching, overstretching, and therefore not growing in a healthy way. And I think this general question, what is healthy growth and how do we nurture it, is important for all of us. Whatever our age, whatever the stage of our life, whatever the weather of our life, whether it's stormy or not stormy, whatever the terrain through which our journey takes us, whatever we aspire to be or to do, what is it that health growth looks like? As I've reflected on that this week, I went back in my thinking to a place I go very often, and um, a writer, an American writer called James Westerhoff III, it's a fantastic name, who in the 1970s, so a long time ago, wrote a book called Will Our Children Have Faith? And he used a metaphor of tree rings to explore what healthy spiritual growth might look like during four seasons from birth through childhood, then adolescence and on into early adulthood. I'm not going to talk about his theory today, but I think the image of the tree rings is potentially a helpful one as we think about our own growth. Some years, the conditions for growth are brilliant. The tree will grow a lot. Other times, the conditions aren't so favourable. But the tree, so long as it's alive, will keep growing. It's got that same resilience as our daffodil bulbs, perhaps. Sometimes, the tree will get damaged, and they have um, illustrated this by putting in a scar in the wood that they suggest might have come from a forest fire, but it could come from somebody hacking a bit off of it. It could be um, eaten or whatever. This scar is worked in to the tree's hole as it continues to grow and get bigger and bigger. And it's an image that I return to because I find it helpful. I find it a very comforting image, and I also find it a very challenging image. I find it comforting because it's actually incredibly honest and very real. Sometimes, to any of us, bad things happen. And we are left with scars, not necessarily physical scars, but emotional scars. And they may become hidden away inside us over time 
And we have to do the work, as we were talking last week when we thought about loss. There is work to do to try and, and work through that and integrate that into our lives in a healthy way. It's comforting also because it says, you know what, sometimes there isn't going to be much growth. And that's okay. And I find it a comforting and a helpful image because it says that all growth is valuable. It doesn't matter if it's big. It doesn't matter if it's small. It doesn't matter if it's equal in all directions or it's a bit lopsided. It just says that growth is growth. But it's also challenging because the tree never stops growing so long as it lives. It never says, well, that's it. I'm big enough now. I've grown wise enough. I've got enough branches. I can just stop. Actually, it goes on, drinking up water and nutrients from the earth, spreading its branches and leaves to the sky, producing blossom and seed-bearing fruits that might, just might one day, be another tree. I read a book um, a while ago now called The Secret Life of Trees or The Hidden Life of Trees. I can't remember which of the two it was. And it says something that was so obvious when I eventually saw it written down, but I'd never thought about it. A tree needs one seed to grow, to maintain itself. If one seed from that tree grows to another tree, its work is done. But it goes on year after year, producing ridiculous numbers of seeds. It's a very hopeful and extravagant image, this growth of the tree that keeps on going and going. And I guess for me it's challenging because if that's what the tree does, and if that's a valuable image for me to ponder, then it calls me to go on growing and being a bit extravagant in my giving, my dreaming, and so forth. This is a sketch that I found online um, of a tree, and it, it illustrates something that's really important about trees, that they are at least as big underground as they are above ground. Their roots have to be at least as wide as the tree is in order to help it to balance, but also in order to seek the nutrients that it needs from the ground. And it needs to be able to reach up its branches if it's going to get the sun it needs. Those few words with which we began our service this morning from the letter to the church in Colossae talk about believers being rooted and grounded in Christ. So perhaps we're a little bit like the tree with our roots as individuals and as a community together going down into God, into Jesus, into Christ. And it is from there, through our faith, that we draw the nutrients we need to grow and to reach out into the world of which we are part. Quite like this kind of interconnection almost, you can see, of, of heaven and earth, of God and humanity, um, if we use that tree image with the roots going down and deep in order to spread out wide and healthy. I wonder if perhaps if we could imagine the church as being a little bit like a forest or a copse or a cluster of trees. This is a photo of some trees in Orkney that were arching over a road. 
Before I went to Orkney, people said, oh, there's no trees there, you know. No trees on these islands, it's too windy. Well, there are trees, and on Orkney mainland, there is even a forest, an official forest. It's little, and the trees don't grow very tall, but they cluster together, offering each other support and shelter. You can't see it there, but there are smaller trees growing up, shaded and protected by the bigger trees. There are bigger trees that together are able to withstand the storms. Maybe one tree on its own wouldn't survive, but by growing together, they can. Maybe one Christian on their own would find it very difficult. But as a community together, we can look out for each other, support and encourage one another. I'm kind of going off in a few directions this morning, and my second thought goes back to daffodils. Anybody recognise um, this, where this... I, I got this off the web. It's not one of my photos. I couldn't find my own. It's supposed to be on, on Great Western Road. Um, and it, uh, Certainly, if you go down Great Western Road in the spring, it is a sea of golden daffodils and cream jonquils, and it's amazing, absolutely beautiful. If you go past there a month or so after they bloom, it's a right mess. The flowers have gone, and it's just the leaves are starting to turn yellow. And then if you go back now, you won't see any sign of them, because those leaves will have all gone. But this is a really important part of the growth cycle of daffodils. That actually, once they've flowered, they need to rest, and the bulbs need to be refreshed. When I was growing up, um, it used to be that you would tie your daffodil leaves. Margaret's nodding, so they must have done the same. You'd, like, you'd rip out one leaf, and you'd fold the rest over, and you'd just tie it, because that was a little bit tidier. But you had to leave them for whatever it is that happens. I don't really understand how they work, but the nutrients go back down, apparently, into the bulb and help them, and they have a rest. And then during the winter, they wake up again, and they come up. Refreshment is something that all of us need sometimes. And actually, do you know what? I think it's not always that easy to be honest about that. It's really easy, isn't it, to kind of want to, to tidy things up, to keep things moving along, or well, it is for me anyway, perhaps you're really good at it. Actually, what sometimes is needed is just a bit of slowing down, a bit of resting, allowing things to be a little bit untidy around the edges, so that actually when the new season comes, we're refreshed and able to bring forth more flowering, more flourishing. I think we live in a society that's driven by instant answers and quick fixes, and daffodils don't really fit that model very well. Daffodils remind us that sometimes it's okay just to let things take the time they take, get a bit untidy, and then, in due season, there will be daffodils again. There is a time to rest and a time to work just as for the daffodils. 
This is another image I stole from the internet, a rose bush. All of the, the plants we're thinking about today have long lives. I think they would be called perennials, but I didn't check whether that's the correct term, but the gardeners can put me right afterwards. Whether it is the daffodils that kind of flower and sleep and flower and sleep, whether it is the trees that continue to grow, or whether it is rose bushes, they have long, long lives. And this I've chosen to sit alongside the image that Jesus used of the vine, because the way that we look after rose bushes is similar to the way that Jesus envisaged a vine being looked after. When I was growing up, my dad loved growing roses. He actually once successfully moved every rose bush from our garden in a village where we lived to a new, a new to us house that we went to in the middle of August and they all survived. That's how good he was at growing roses. If I just did it, they would, wouldn't survive. But each summer, he would we would have a garden with lots of beautiful roses, heavy scents, the old fashioned big roses. If you want to smell some, go to Graham Little's garden. He has lovely old-fashioned roses. But then autumn came, and it was time to prune. And I didn't like that very much. It used to feel very sad that the lushness of these plants was cut back short and thrown away. And then, of course, when the spring came, there would be new buds. And first, there would be new leaves, and there would be new shoots. And in due course, there would be more beautiful roses. Towards the end of my dad's life, he couldn't do the pruning anymore. And so the roses were not tended. And they didn't die. They continued to grow. But they became spindly and less flowers and smaller flowers because they were overreaching, overstretching themselves in order to be the rose bushes that we loved so much. They had to be pruned. And that's basically what Jesus says when he talks to his followers using the image of the vine tree. If you're going to go on producing good fruit or beautiful flowers, then sometimes it's necessary to experience the rather unpleasant thing of being pruned. I actually preached on that about nine years ago, and Neil remembers, he tells me about this sermon that I preached. But yeah, sometimes we have to be cut back in order to rest and refresh that we might grow and blossom and bloom again. And even if that's hard, even if that's painful, by being still rooted in, in Jesus, being part of the vine, we are held safe. So what do I do with these questions and these images? And what might any of that mean for us as a church together? I'm going to be really honest here two things that for me are absolute truths at the moment. One is that I remain utterly convinced that God calls me to be the minister at Hillhead Baptist Church. And the other is I am spiritually dried out. I am tired. And I need to learn to look after myself better if I'm going to grow and if I'm going to serve our church effectively. And I've been having to think quite carefully, what is it in my life that needs to be pruned 
if not just now, then in the next year or two, if I'm going to be able to do new things and exciting things that perhaps God wants me, us to do. I've got some ideas. I do quite a lot of stuff outside our church. I do some stuff for the Baptist Union of Scotland. I do some stuff for the Baptist Union of Great Britain. Maybe it's time to think about letting go of some of those in order to do other things or, at this point, to rest. And a couple of those have got natural endings, so I think that will happen. I've also been thinking about what I can learn from daffodils, the messiness of regeneration. And actually, I just need to stop worrying about tying up all the loose ends and worrying about the things that maybe don't happen. Because actually that is just part of me recovering. It's part of us growing and sharing together. And actually, as the world's number one warrior, I need to learn to stop worrying about it. And I've also learned from the trees. The trees, I think, is where I go back to because I just love that image. The trees that continue growing their whole life. They never think they've arrived. And the good years and the not-so-good years and the bashes and the bruises all come together as part of that wonderful whole that God calls the tree to be. Now, you'll have your own answers to those questions. Some of you are probably brilliant at self-care. Some of you don't need to put any things down. For some of you, there will be new and exciting opportunities opening up that you're just ready to leap in and grab, and that's all good. And I think the forest is a useful image for the church. This, um, again, it's a stolen off the internet photograph. This is a forest I used to work, walk in when I lived in Leicestershire. It's called Charnwood Forest, and it was about 20 minutes' drive from where I lived, and I loved it. I loved it because it's an old forest. I loved it because it's a managed forest. There are areas where they grow wood, trees for wood. There are areas that are coppiced. So there are always young trees as well as old trees. I loved it because I could pick blackberries and gather cobnuts in the autumn. If I'd known which were which, I could also have got mushrooms, but I'm never quite sure on that one. But it's somehow beautiful in its messiness. Um, there are fallen logs, there are damaged trees, there are new trees, there are perfect trees, but it's a whole and somehow it's healthy. It's a place I used to go to pray, it's a place I used to go to relax and to be refreshed. And if that is an image for church, if that's a metaphor for our church, which I think it can be, what a beautiful thing we are. Different ages, different stages. Some needing to rest, some growing healthily, some doing other things. But together and with God, we can all grow and our community continues to grow in faith and faith. I've had faith twice there, I'm going off script, I can't even talk. Grace and faith to the glory of God. And so we're going to sing a hymn now written by Brian Wren, um, which picks up some of this imagery, I think. Gathered by a greater purpose, higher than our highest aims, wider than the far horizon, deeper than all other claims. Thanks, Paul.
Our prayers this morning have a response. When I say the words, merciful God, would you join me, please, in saying, hear our prayer? So, merciful God, hear our prayer. Let us pray. God of mercy and grace, love and compassion, we bring you our prayers for the world of which we are part. A world in which natural disaster and human sinfulness combine to wreak havoc. A world in which people of goodwill still seek peace and the good of all. Merciful God, hear our prayer. For national and international leaders entrusted with making decisions in complex situations, we pray for wisdom and compassion, humility and integrity. Merciful God, hear our prayer. For those affected by Hurricane Dorian, who weep for lost loved ones, and who seek to rescue and comfort those who remain. We pray for all who work to restore hope in communities where hopes and livelihoods have been destroyed or damaged. Merciful God, hear our prayer. For those who serve in the name of Christ throughout the world as aid workers, mission partners, advisors and advocates. We pray for the work of Christian Aid and BMS World Mission giving thanks for all who support their work financially. Especially we pray for the medical work funded by the BMS Birthday Scheme, celebrating life and bringing hope to vulnerable communities. Merciful God, hear our prayer. For those of our worldwide Baptist family, especially those in the Far East nations of Japan, North Korea, South Korea and Taiwan, witnessing in challenging contexts. We pray that these faithful followers would grow in wisdom, love and grace. Merciful God, hear our prayer. For our European family, especially the work of seminaries and colleges that train and nurture those who serve as ministers, missionaries and teachers. Especially we pray for the International Baptist Theological Seminary in Amsterdam and the Scottish Baptist College and for all who teach and learn within them. Merciful God, hear our prayer. For our own Baptist Union of Scotland, who invite us to pray for the churches in Lerwick, Leslie and Leven. We pray for the Reverends Peter Foster, and Amy Aitken, who have recently been called to new pastorates, and also for our friend, Reverend Amanda Quick, serving at Leven. Merciful God, hear our prayer. For those of our own congregation, thinking today especially of Ade and Moji, Esther and David, Ellie and Elham, Benjamin and Bardia, we pray for safety and security, growth and health for all of them, as they seek to balance the challenges of work, college, school and family, 
and for parents and children as they learn more about Jesus and seek to follow in his way. Merciful God, hear our prayer. For ourselves in our own needs for rest and refreshment, growth and maturing, we offer to God our private prayers. Merciful God, hear our prayer. God of compassion and love, grace and mercy, accept our prayers and help us to play our part in their outworking. For we offer them in the name of Christ, the true and living vine. And finally, a prayer written for today by Ali and Elham. Today I pray for you, a heart free of sadness, a mind free of worries, a life full of gladness, and a day full of God's blessing. Father, I pray that my family and friends are happy, our health is good, and that we are surrounded by your love. Dear Jesus, please keep the people in the world safe that are threatened by terrorism, hate, and violence. Please protect them and help the world to fight back against hate and terror. Please make peace in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Loving God, you make us as a garden or as a forest, and you bless us and nurture us. Help us to use these gifts of money and the gifts with which you have blessed each one of us to help each other and to help others to grow in faith, in love, in humanity and grace to the glory of your name. Amen.
it seemed good to end with a sort of celtic hymn, at least the tune is. Um, for those who are used to singing the BPW version, we're singing the CH4 version, um, or the Irish Presbyterian version of the tune. Um, so just if there's a few little words wobbles, it's okay. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we sing um, this ama these amazing words and enjoy praising God as we do so. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. a Celtic blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may you be held in the palm of God's hand. <laughs>